everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Outcomes. I'm your host, Barrett King, and with me today is a truly unique guest, the one and only Jay McBain. Now, before I let him do his own intro here, I got to be honest, I've been a fan, which I'm sure you hear all the time, um, but more so I've been a student. I think you have an exceptional background, a plethora of knowledge. Everyone probably grovels at your feet for that next tidbit, that morsel of information that's going to help them change the world like you have. You've declared this, you know, the decade of channel, of partnerships, of opportunity. I want to hear your perspective on that. Before we do anything else, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. I am too. And I think you know the biggest thing for me in terms of core takeaway from who you are as a person is you're a thought leader, yes, but you're a listener too. You obviously listen to the market. You listen to what folks are talking about, provide really valuable perspective on where all the things that we care about are going. Before we get into it, the first question I ask every guest is what does partnerships mean to you? I'd love to hear your response on that. Yeah, the answer just changed, you know, for the first time in hundreds and hundreds of years of world trade and, you know, how companies from hundreds of years ago, like the Hudson Bay Company was doing fur trading. And, you know, it's always been partnerships have always been linear in terms of, you know, working together, you know, to provide a, some sort of better outcome. But 75% of the world last year, $104 trillion uh, transacted through third parties. You bought your last car from a dealer. You bought your last TV from a retailer. You bought your last jar of peanut butter from a grocer. So it's always been looked at through the lens of how money changes hands. And now we're learning quickly that there's so much more to partnering that doesn't involve money changing hands. In those first 28 moments before we buy that car or before we buy software or anything else, the amount of partnerships that happen at that point. Now we're in subscription consumption models every 30 days forever. What keeps things sticky? and habit forming. Who's doing that enrichment and how do customers for life really work? And it's everything's about partnering. So it surrounds ecosystems surround everything. And now 76% of CEOs think it's their number one uh, thing that's transforming their business in the next five years. Their current business models will be unrecognizable because of partnering. It's brilliant. So for those of you who don't know, uh, these aren't just random numbers. Jay actually understands this because he studies all the things that we care about, channel and partnerships and ecosystems and whatnot. So uh, it is the truth. What I'm fascinated by is your last comment there in terms of the way that this is transforming, right? The way that the industry is progressing and how it's impacting everything around us. If I'm somebody listening to this and I'm, you know, let's say mid-stage in my career, I've been in channel partnerships ecosystem, I've worked with third parties in that sense. What I don't have perhaps though is perspective on where we're going. You've made some comments around the decade of ecosystem. You've made some comments around you know, sort of reimagining programs in terms of how we think about the future of, of partner as a terminology. Um, but you've built some of the biggest programs on the planet. So I want to hear your thoughts on maybe the history, if you will, in like two, three sentences in terms of what historically we always foundationally grounded in as far as what partnerships was. And more so, I think, uh, interestingly, so what things will be over the next three, five, six, 10 years, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we can talk in every industry and, you know, I tend to talk a lot in the tech industry, but to, to relate it to people in an audience, I tend to talk in cars sometimes. Great. You, know, you bought your cars. last car from a dealer. You know, for 140 years now, dealerships have been kind of that driving experience. It's where you buy, it's where you service, it's kind of everything. You never call the manufacturer directly, but that's an industry that's now becoming a tech industry. But the future of that industry is all about partnerships. So we're going electric and we know that, but electric isn't, you know, 365 kinds of cars and 63 manufacturers all creating their own internal combustible battery engine. No, it's going to be a platform. And we already know, kind of like the PC, the 11 components that go into an electric car, and you're going to buy that based on wheel 
width and, and suspension length, whether it's a pickup truck or a small sedan, it's a platform. So the big car companies now in a $3 trillion industry know they're losing below the driver to partnerships. Not losing, they're creating partnerships where you know the economics of that industry change. And now 91% of people won't buy a car unless it has Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And that's the old version. That's a little tablet on the middle of your dashboard. But the new version of Apple CarPlay goes from window to window to windshield. Apple owns your speedometer, your gas gauge, your climate control, everything, every pixel in the car. So if you're a car company now, you know, you're losing in front of the driver, the experience, you're losing below the driver, and you're at risk of becoming a sheet metal company. And for somebody who sold PCs for 17 years, I can tell you the economics of wrapping other people's technology in plastic or metal, and it's not great. So that's partnering in the car sense, but every industry, every one of us is going through kind of these changes in what's happening to our industry, our company, our segment, our sector, all the things wrap around partnering as a skill going forward. So is that technology that's driving it? Like, it sounds like of what you're describing, the perhaps acceleration of access to technology, the reach in which now you can impact a variety of industries to your point earlier on. And then it sounds like in part also the decentralization of control. So you're talking about having historically one to five, if you will, choices of a vehicle. And now you've got at times in between more choices. There's a lot of these like kind of micro manufacturers. And now if we look forward and we say the future is electric, it's the businesses that integrate into the ecosystem of that specific technology that will have the greatest opportunity. Is that fair? Yeah, the existential threat to every company on the planet, big, medium, small, any country is literally technology. And, and you've heard the term that every company is becoming a tech company. So if you're a bank, if you're an insurance company, if you're a manufacturer, if you're a pharmaceutical company, it doesn't matter where you are. The future, and by the way, your buyer in less than two years is a millennial, digital first, you know, iPad kid growing up. But the fact of the matter is how you go to market, how you sell, how you market, how you run customer success, how you integrate into their lives, because that's another thing that happened in the last six months that's brand new. It's an integration first buyer. So when I said 91% of people won't buy a car unless it has CarPlay, that's an integration first buyer. Same things happens in software. Seven layers of SaaS or seven layers of security. There's always an integration first buyer now. So these things are happening fast in every industry. And that's why every industry are making these decisions you know, to become more tech companies themselves, to serve this new buyer and to be part of the fabric of every part of their lives, as opposed to just a standalone product skew that you consume and throw away. That's why they're converting into these subscription and consumption models, usage and value models and product-led growth models. And all these new models are customers for life. Your toothbrush you know, becomes a dollar per month for the rest of your life. Your transportation as a service, your obviously software as a service. Every company that you work with as a consumer and as a professional are right now thinking about how to charge you every month for the rest of your life. Well, let's talk about that. And that's interesting. First off, I'm picturing a dollar for uh, a toothbrush for the rest of my life. Good economics there. I'm, I'm in. Let's let's build that one. Right. The thing that I'm fascinated by, though, is the idea of how partnerships drives a lot of this behavior and that the way people buy, which is an expression you've heard forever in tech, right? What people have buy, it's changed and the buyer has changed. And we love to say that out loud. How do you actually believe that or, or rather, what do you believe has changed in terms of how do you think this this behavioral shift is taking place toward partnerships in particular, that the the surround sound, the ecosystem methodology, specifically in SaaS. Let's focus on that. I think it's a good use case for, for the yeah. audience's sake. 
how has that then changed in the last, you know, it's really in the last, what, five to 10 years that you've seen this acceleration and this move towards partnerships as a holistic, and again, the ecosystem methodology of a holistic way of going to market? Yeah, we actually solved that, by the way, you know, you said five or 10 years, we solved that in the previous decade, which was the decade of marketing. Previous to that was a decade of sales. But in the decade of marketing today, there's 11,039 MarTech and AdTech companies. But what we're getting much better at is the psychology, the behavior, the journey that customers are on. And again, this is a considered purchase. So we'll move away from a tough toothbrush and we'll talk about software, which is like a car and other things like a considered purchase. We know that today, scientifically, on average, there's 28 moments before you buy that car. From the moment you have a problem to the point where you sign on the dotted line, there's 28 moments. So when you study those moments, like during the decade of marketing, you know, we had affiliate programs and advocate programs, ambassadors. We had all these kind of influencer programs. We had all these things, but we relied on data. We could go buy those first 28 moments from Google or Facebook or from a few others. Because your life as a consumer was literally owned by the big tech companies and they sold your data. That's why everything on the Internet's free, because that's how they made money. And that's what you know made these companies into trillion dollar companies is selling your private data. So I got a little bit lazy if I sold software, if I sold cars, anything else, mattresses, any considered purchase. You know, why would I you know spend way, you know, a bunch of money trying to get into those 28 moments when I can just buy them? I know when you did 81% of you did your first Google search. I know where you went on that front, you know, listing of things. And when you read that, I watched as you jumped around the internet. And then I got to make a decision into when to come into that cycle, maybe mid or, you know, 14 or maybe at moment 20, where I'll intersect that with my partners and, and, and kind of direct you towards my product. Well, the cookie, which I just explained is going away. Apple's already taken it away. Google's in the final moments. So you can't buy those first 28 moments anymore. And to get a product sold today and understanding that customer psychology and journey is partnering with those 28 owners of those moments. So like podcasts like this, webinars, events, there's 14 different spheres of influence. How you, you know, talk to your peers, how you configure price quote, how you get consulting, all the stuff you do before the design, the architecture, before buying software, you better be at least friendly with those people. And there's seven of them on average. The average customer today uh, trusts seven people. So you better be friendly with you know at least one of them, but if not a majority of them. So they're not creating friction, but on the flip side, they're actually endorsing you. When a customer through those moments doesn't see you, they can inject you. And when it gets to that point of purchase, they're, they look around the table and everybody nods. So they feel protected and they feel supported in terms of choosing you as well. So it's all a partnering strategy in marketing now to get second party data to what you've now lost in third party data. So I'm, for those of you that can't see my face, I'm smiling probably uncontrollably because the, I agree with you. And I think what's fascinating about conceptually what you're describing is that, that it's a fundamental shift. We're talking about a functional change in the way that technology interacts with us and how we interact with it, but not the behavioral shift. Like we still want to trust, we still want to believe, and we want to learn from others that this is the right decision to, to your example, buy this car. It's going to service us in the right way, solve our problems, et cetera. 